Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for today's uh, AIWA Los Angeles Las Vegas section um, annual awards dinner. We are so happy, honored you are here with us. Uh, we have great program uh, uh, ahead of us tonight. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, so first of all, um, yeah, I think each of you, initially I was trying to show the uh, program on the screen, but I think everybody has a copy and we have some folks online. Uh, so I guess, uh, especially during the recognition uh, session, we can uh, do this. Okay, so uh, first of all, welcome. And first of all, let me introduce our um, uh, advisor, Dr. Jeffrey Fuchel. As a, over there, he's our great leader in Boy. He's now Region 6 uh, Education Director. Uh, he was uh, uh, a great leader for, for, for us. And uh, of course, uh, there are uh, many, many great people like uh, uh, Dr. Jim Wurz, Dr. Uh, Daniel Raymer, of course, Jim uh, here, and uh, Gary, you know, as our technical chair. We have Sherry uh, over there, uh, JPR membership chair, doing good jobs. And uh, Daniel, there's a hand, USC uh, Aviation Safety uh, Specialist. He's our uh, career workforce development chair. He's going to become our public policy chair. We have Jeremy, who is going to be our um, uh, career and workforce uh, after the new term. There Marilyn, uh, our former treasurer and uh, the uh, right now region, region six, uh, um, you know, treasurer and Professor Mardu in here and the Doc Stewart and uh, more and more people, so uh, we can get a little more, but I mentioned here, uh, my name is uh, uh, Ken Louie, I'm the section chair um, uh, yeah, here. So uh, I can show you that on your program, you see we have a great list of uh, dedicated um, council member, including uh, Mr. Dean Davis, uh, Mr. Lynn Jensen, Jennifer, Gary here, and Marty Waltman from Las Vegas, uh, Arpan, um, of Sapien, our K-12 uh, chair, and Sherry, I just mentioned, and Courtney, currently from Boeing, and uh, Ian, uh, Northrop Grumman, Louise Lucky Martin, uh, Daniel, I just mentioned, Ross, he's working with government, formerly was LA Gage, and uh, we have uh, Dr. Seth Potter as ambassador. So thanks for uh, those dedicated um, members uh, for helping us. So uh, very important part for AIW is the membership. So we have the, uh, in case you didn't know, we have the uh, an, uh, annual membership upgrades. We have different level. We have honorary fellow, fellow, associate fellow. So you are welcome to apply uh, following the guideline here. So we are very honored to have uh, the, uh, our honorary here. Um, of course, first of all, is uh, Mr. Jim Mazur uh, here. Uh, we'll go into more detail. I'm just reading the name here. Uh, we have Mr. David Mitchell uh, elevated to a fellow. Uh, unfortunately, he cannot make it, but hopefully he will show up later part because he has to teach uh, in the evening. And uh, Eric Andrews, uh, associate fellow, uh, unfortunately he cannot make it. Uh, Miss Tammy Choi, he's, she is uh, uh, vice president of cybersecurity in aerospace corporation, uh, just elevated uh, to associate fellow. And then we have Dr. Amir uh, Rahmani. Uh, over. I mean, okay, thank you. Uh, so uh, at this point, we, Jeff, would you come forward? We'll have you to recognize uh, our distinguished uh, member advancement. So here the uh, first is Jim. So do you want to add a, mention a little bit Jim and ask? So we're, we're very- Can you take pictures? Uh, very honored to have uh, Jim Mazur with us this evening. Uh, uh, Airjet is uh, being honored with the technical award, but Jim is being honored as an honorary fellow of the AIAA. 
He has a long history with the AIAA, a past president of the AIAA, and uh, among many other things. So Jim, would you please come forward and receive this award? This is honorary fellow. Yeah, this is for honorary fellow. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jim. Press work, yes, yes, you're yes. doing very well at that, by the way. Yes, it did. Yeah, yes, very good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. Uh, so um, the other gentleman show up here is Associate Fellow, Dr. Amir Rabmani. Uh, Amir, could you show up? Yeah. Now, Amir is... Yes. Well, congratulations. Yes. So Amir is being recognized as an Associate Fellow. I'm delighted that you're in our section, even though JPL is in the San Gabriel Valley section. But so happy you could join us. <laughs> yes. Ken is a good recruiter. Ken is an extremely good recruiter. Yes. Yeah. So let me get... Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks. The next one, because it's long list, so I will do it from my end. Let's. If you don't see it here, let me show show here. Oh, anyway, this is Zoom. That'd be for this way. So then next we celebrate the anniversary for um, our membership. So we have uh, several members from 80 year anniversary. Um, so it'll be I'll just go over over this list very quickly. Okay, so you can see we actually have 80 years of uh, membership. We actually have uh, uh, Mr. Kerr and uh, Mr. Williams. Um, they're 80 years ago, 80 years old. Uh, sorry, membership 80 years, uh, but they actually in the 90, even 100 years old uh, of age. But they're still following oh. the way. And then the next, uh, but because they cannot join us, so, so we just bypass. So 70 years, we are very happy to have Brad Bas. He's our second Bas, uh, Bas Cohen. Uh, he's online. So Bas, would you like to say something uh, with us? Well, thank you uh, for remembering me. It, uh, I started out as a student at the University of Illinois, and that's 70 years ago. So. Uh, I've always followed the AIAA and have been honored to be an associate fellow further on in my career. Of course, I'm retired now, but uh, I appreciate being here very much, appreciate being invited, and uh, wish you all well. Thank you. Uh, so the next, unfortunately, somebody was sharing screen. Okay, so the next gentleman who is here uh, is uh, uh, is going to be actually no other than our Dr. Daniel Raymer, and it's 50 years. This is really amazing. Yeah, 50 is really something. It's a. Uh... Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you. All right. Yeah, then you must be joining from kindergarten, right? You joined Adam when you were <laughs> kindergarten. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's amazing. 50 years, a uh, uh, great accomplishment. Uh, we actually have another gentleman who is uh, 50 years, uh, uh, Dr. Rich Van Allen. I uh, don't know. Oh, he is here. So, Rich. Yep, I'm here. Okay, Rich, would you like to say something to us? We're celebrating well, your 50th anniversary of membership. Yeah, I yeah. thought I was doing pretty well at 50 years until I saw the gentleman with the 80 years. So I feel <laughs> kind of like a, a junior here. Um, it's been a great 50 years. I've had a chance to work on all kinds of different projects from the first couple of moon landings to Voyager to um, working on strategic defense and a variety of other space missions. And I've been with uh, a company that you might be familiar with called uh, Microcosm. Uh, there's a Jim Wirtz I see uh, sitting there, so I can't say anything bad about that. Uh, but it's, I've had a great time working there and continue as long as the brain keeps working, I'm going to keep working. So uh, it's been a great 50 years. Okay, uh, thanks, Dr. Ben Allen. Uh, so the next uh, gentleman here online, uh, that is 40 years. Uh, so we just finished the 50 years. We had a 40 years anniversary and the person online is uh, Mr. David Cry. So Dave, would you like to say something to the audience here? Yeah, uh, thank you for the recognition. You're open <laughs> to turn on your camera if you like. Uh, sure. Uh, thank you, everybody, for the recognition. Uh, I feel young at 40 years with uh, with my fellows at uh, 50 and beyond. So it's very uh, good to be here. Um, uh, I'd also just like to say that I, I have a legacy in my son, uh, who uh, is a recipient of the James Word Scholarship back wow. in, I think, circa 2015. And just uh, like to report to the to everybody that the money was well well spent. He graduated from Cal Poly Pomona, is working at Northrop Grumman, and is currently working on his master's degree while while at Northrop. So thank you all for for that. Thank you, James Words, for sponsoring that, and uh, thank you for, for the recognition. I appreciate it very much. Davis, uh, stay stay in touch. Can you hear me? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Very good. Yeah, yeah, we, we need you. Stay in touch. Okay, so <laughs> more scholarship. Uh, okay, so the after 40 years, we actually have a couple of people, like uh, seven people at 40 anniversary, but they, only David's here. Um, so the 30th anniversary, we actually got a couple of people, um, but I want to mention is uh, Professor Mike Wanteman of USC. Uh, he's he's uh, also 30 years. He just told me he didn't realize his, you know, his 30 years is very fast. And that, I didn't mention it, I'm also 30 plus. <laughs> 30 plus, very good, very good. Uh, but unfortunately, this is the final final uh, in USC, so he apologized, he cannot make it. It's a mess over there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes, we have Matu here. Okay, so the next person uh, is, is uh, Dr. Lisa Kearney. Is Lisa here? Um, Lisa from Race, she might join a little bit late. She worked uh, next door, um, but we'll see. We have the uh, uh, recognition for her. So the next person will be uh, Mr. Randy Wushiyama. 
Randy, we, we have been uh, meet each other during the event. So I didn't realize also 30 years, so it's great. Please come forward. Thank you. All right. Well, congratulations, Randy. Thanks very much. Do you want to say a few words? Uh, you know what? I was, really wasn't expecting anything. Oh, sorry. Really wasn't expecting anything, but um, I'll take it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> congratulations. Randy, we need to get your photograph for. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, so the next, uh, we have covered also 25 years. We are trying to encourage people to, uh, you know, count the years, uh, you know, to join us. You know, they, they, you will be, you know, honored, recognized. Um, I talked to several folks, but unfortunately, like uh, Silvio, Stasi, Eric, um, they just cannot make it. Um, so unfortunately, we don't have anyone 25 year, years. It was, you know, congratulations for all the peoples for anniversary. So thank you so much. Uh, stay with us. Okay. And, and the thing that Ken forgot to mention is you are an AI government member. You will be celebrating your 80th uh, anniversary at AI No, that's good, Ken. Yes, that's right. We are here for you. Well, we are part of your family. Absolutely. Very good. Uh, so we move to our um, uh, next. Uh, this next part is there is a student best student paper, but unfortunately none of those uh, UCLA students are here. So we uh, just bypass. And then there's uh, our section and Jeff, uh, Dr. Pushal leadership last year to, for the year 2021, 2022, we actually won the first place for the a very large section among AIAA. So, uh, but we actually have a, a world lunch last year already. Uh, so we, uh, Jeff, we all have happy, happy celebrate together. Uh, but there was one person that was missing, that's Sherry. So Sherry actually uh, got the, her effort for membership, uh, but she <laughs> didn't show up for the lunch. So now we have a prank for you, Sherry. <laughs> I know. JP, I work you so hard. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I guess she can unwrap it. Yeah. It's been wrapped for a whole year, right? That's right. <laughs> There you go. Oh, look at that. All right. Oh, it's beautiful. Yes. Yes, we have You're welcome. Yes, come on. All right. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so nice. yeah, well, thank you so much, Sherry. Sherry actually has been supporting AIWA for long years, leading conference sessions, and now she's helping us for uh, membership. But actually, she has been helping everything for our section whenever we need her. Uh, so this is great. So, um, but there are several other folks, but we won't repeat because we actually have a award lunch this year for this one. Uh, so um, we do have a new person coming from uh, the East Coast section, uh, Morgan, uh, she's now working with Virgin Galactic. Uh, Virgin Galactic. She used to work for NASA uh, Langley, uh, but she apologized, she cannot make it, but her bio is listed in the program. So now here come to our, uh, uh, you know, major part of the program, which is uh, a technical excellence award. Uh, we, this is the process is that we nominate several candidates, um, probably the turn of the year, and uh, we, we send it through the council member. So all the council member here, the section actually contribute this. You know, we have a thorough discussion and we pick the best candidate for winning the uh, um, uh, very exciting uh, technical excellence award, which we gave every year. 
And uh, this year, we uh, unanimously uh, voted to uh, award to LG Rocketdyne for the great contribution for the exciting Artemis, especially the Artemis One program. And uh, uh, in case you didn't know, we actually last year when it's fresh down, we have a watch party in the same uh, Cambridge Hotel in the bar area. So people are very excited, right, Steve? <laughs> Steve, you know, we are here. We are here watching watch party, you know, watch party last year. Yeah. <laughs> Splash down. Down. Yes. Mm -hmm. I was here. Yes. So that's a very important thing. I was here. That's the key word, the buzzword. So people want to be involved uh, in the at the same time important project, important mission. Uh, so uh, LJ Rocket Abris Abris have been have been doing wonderful program. You can see uh, on the website that this is SLS Orion and Gateway uh, for the important R twenty five engine. Uh, so, uh, Jeff, do you want to add some a few uh, add something more about this excellence award? Oh, not at all, Ken. I think you summarized it very well. So now it's a big award. So, Jeff, would you like to come forward and receive this award, your second big award of the year? Congratulations. I'm ready to talk about it? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I would, uh, again, I would have loved to see the. Yes, of course. Yes. That's right. I want to make sure it's protected to the very end. So much. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, Kim, you want to talk about the history of the art on the flag? Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, actually, Jim, this, this art is by our student branch member. So 2018, because previously, remember, uh, uh, Dr. James, we have a plaque, very good, very nice design with civil rocket, aircraft, and we actually gave it to Dr. Bob Rosky. Uh, the awards, but at that time, you know, the the council in 2018 realized that there are new rockets, you know, coming. So we decided to run a student uh, art contest. So this girl, um, Sophia Leon from UNLV student branch, uh, she won the contest. We actually have a couple of interesting design at that time from different student branch, and uh, this design. Um, when we saw it, immediately everybody agreed this is the best design. It combined actually Los Angeles and the Las Vegas uh, feature aerospace. So that's the history of it. So uh, we have been, beautiful. it's beautiful. It's by our A-level students. So we, yes. Great. Thank, thank you, so Jim. You're so, very wonderful. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you. You can't, you can't hear? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think they're on, but we're probably not talking loudly enough into them. So thanks for mentioning that. So, okay, we're ready for Jim's talk. Yes. Can you, can you hear me? No. Okay. Well, you can. Can you hear me? Okay. <laughs> I'll speak loudly into it. Um, first of all, I just want to, uh, on behalf of the RS25 team, thank you all for this. Uh, it is a beautiful plaque. Um, one of the, we put a lot of money into the factory. The office space looks ancient, but I did remodel, I did remodel the um, entrance into the building and we have a display case. So this will be a perfect place to display it um, right up front. So I want to thank you so much for that. 
also as a uh, past president of AIAA, I really want to thank you guys for your service. Um, I had running running a volunteer organization is is a challenge, and I was there when we redid the we redid the charter and changed the board of directors, and we we had to sell that to the membership and spent a lot of time on that. We spent a lot of time on that, and. Um, but I, I came through the years and working with all the all the sections and the and the local chapters just really came to appreciate the personal time you guys put in, the passion you put in, and how important it is not only to AIAA but to this nation advancing the arts and sciences of of aerospace. So thank you so much, truly appreciated, and and I can't tell you how much, but um, it's amazing seeing the passion and and truly appreciate it and recruit more. I'm always out doing that when I'm in DC next week. That's that's what I'll be doing is recruiting more. And at Aerojet Rocketdyne, I was gone for a little while when I came back. Um, I recently put a new head of engineering and I told him I expected his people to join the AIAA. So um, we're working on that. So with that, what I do, I'm going to talk about the engines and the Artemis program. I don't have any PowerPoint. I have one picture and then three videos. So, um, but I do need my notes. So what I'm gonna what I'm gonna do is I want to start with uh, the SLS and Orion and then the Artemis One mission, and with that context, uh, show some videos, and then I'll go to the big picture. I've been spending a lot of time with with uh, NASA, and and they've been spending a lot of time with industry talking about you know why are we going, what are the reasons for that, and um, they just came out the Moon to Mars architecture document, and then talk about Artemis uh, two through four. And then if we have a little time, or if you guys want to chat a little bit or have some questions, certainly open it up for that. So um, basically this is the SLS rocket and, and to really get a sense of the scale, four people fit in here. And so the rocket's 322 feet tall and uh, it consists of these solid rocket boosters, which are made by Northrop Grumman. We have four RS-25s at the bottom, the burned liquid hydrogen, liquid oxygen, the second stage is called ICPS. It's the interim cryopropulsion stage. And it has one of our RL-10 engines on it that's also LOX hydrogen that's out of West Palm Beach. And then, of course, there's a spacecraft. And actually, the, the spacecraft has four of our um, auxiliary engines. It has the Orion main engine. It has all our reaction control thrusters. So for the Artemis One mission, um, I've been launching for a long time, but this is the only mission I've been involved in from the very start of the mission to the very end we were involved. So, um, and I'll show a little video that shows, you know, the first thing that happens is the, the uh, core engines ignite. And that's the, that's in this business, that's the best sound in the world is three, two, one core engines ignite. I still get goosebumps just watching the video, let alone um, in real life. And then our second stage engine now they have a version for Artemis V that's gonna to go to the exploration upper stage engine. It'll go from one upper stage engine to four upper stage engines. And what that does, it's really important because the, the figure of merit with a moon rocket is translunar injection. And so the more mass you can take to the moon, the more things you can do on the moon. And so this rocket is uh, the only rocket in the world capable of taking people to the moon right now. It's the only 
rocket in the world that has enough translunar injection capability to take four astronauts to the moon. This rocket has about 26 metric tons of translunar injection capability. When they go to the uh, exploration upper stage with four, RS, four RL-10s, then um, it'll have about 42 metric tons of translunar injection capability. And that's really important because if, if you're going to, if you're going to get on the moon and stay on the moon, you need, you need to be able to land and have some other things that I'll talk about to be on the moon. So anyhow, we lift it off and then it's separate. The solid separate after about two minutes, the main engines burn for a little over eight minutes. And what's interesting about this, this, um, the way it, this rocket flies, which is unique to most rockets, usually the first stage flies for like two to three, maybe four minutes. Um, because of the solid rocket boosters, this thing lifts off. The solid rocket boosters are three and a half million pounds of thrust each, so seven million pounds. And then the four RS-25s are half a million pounds each. So this rocket lifts off with about nine million pounds liftoff thrust. The solids burn out after about two minutes. And then the four RS-25s basically take the core stage all the way to orbit. So by the time we second separate the second stage, it's actually orbital, which is very unique for a rocket. In fact, um, with this upper stage, I was talking to my guys and we were going through the mission profile and they were saying, and this has a, some, the second stage engine has something called an extendable exit cone. So the cone's kind of stowed. And then when it gets up there, it extends to give you more um, area ratio, which is more specific impulse. But they were talking about, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go up there and um, we're gonna chill the engines down, and then we're going to, you know, make sure everything's okay. Then we'll extend the exit cone. And I'm, I'm the one who came up with that uh, overall stage design back on Delta Three, and and I said, what are you guys doing? This is like this is like two minutes. You guys are dropping like a rock, which on a normal rocket you are when you we separate the second stage. And they're like, no, we're orbital by then. And I was like. It's, it's, a, it's a very interesting rocket, the way it flies, but because the core stage goes almost to orbit, the first stage engines have to operate somewhere between a, a boost engine and an upper stage engine. And so these were uh, space shuttle main engines that uh, are suited ideally for this. So they're an extremely efficient engine. Uh, they burn hydrogen and oxygen, so the exhaust is steam. And to give you a feel for what goes on with the RS-25s, it's about 12 feet high. And at the top of the, at the top, you got liquid hydrogen coming in at minus 423, liquid oxygen coming in at two, minus 297.3. Then it goes into turbo machinery that spins at thousands of RPMs, gets up to thousands of PSI, and 12 feet away, it comes out of the nozzle at 6,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And that could boil iron. So don't ask me what goes on between here and there, other than it's rocket science. And we got a lot of rocket scientists that know how to make that work. So it's, it's really, um, it's really uh, quite impressive. And it's building on basically uh, the heritage of the space shuttle main engines. Now space shuttle main engines were reusable. And so our team has been flying these engines. There are 135 flights with three engines each, but they're reused. So all in all, we only build about 50 engines total. We have well over a million seconds of firing time, lots of starts, but we understand these engines inside and out. And so what they're doing is basically they repurpose these engines. And from shuttle, there were 16 engines left over. So there's enough engines left over from shuttle for the first four flights. 
And then we're build, building brand new engines, restarting the line for the first time in 15 years, but we're using modern manufacturing methods. So we have a lot of additive manufacturing. We've cut down on part counts, gone to robotic welding, and we're using modern analysis methods. So, um, so we're actually building our first first engine. We have our first brand new built engine in the test stand at Stennis. And I just flew from Stennis this morning. We ran our, we're running 12 certification tests. We just ran our seventh test yesterday for, for 10 minutes. And I'll show you a video of the test we ran before that, which was 12 minutes long. And, and you can't imagine what it's like to me, it's nerve wracking because these engines burn at 500,000 pounds of thrust and you're watching it that much power for 12 minutes straight. It's hard to comprehend how it just doesn't come apart. Um, and and we'll, we'll get to a quick video of that next. But uh, because of that though, this is the first rocket development that I know of that wasn't waiting for the engines to be ready. And, and uh, that's, been a big advantage because usually engine development is the long pole in the tent and usually the most costly thing in the tent. And so what I was going to say was, uh, so from liftoff, we had the second stage, it separates. We have eight auxiliary engines on the back and the Orion main engine. And then the, the um, spacecraft went around the moon, then it came back. Uh, and then the service module, which has the, most of the propulsion separates, so you just have the capsule. And then we have the reaction control system on the capsule, and that orients the capsule for re-entry. And this capsule did a skip re-entry to slow it down, because it comes back, I think it, if you come from low Earth orbit, you're doing about Mach 25. When you come back from the moon, you're doing Mach 32. And so as, as you come back, what they did to slow it down is it actually dipped down, slowed down, popped back up, and then came back down to land. And uh, our thrusters provided all that orientation. And then the last thing was, is it lands in the water, the flotation devices inflate. And those flotation devices were inflated by our pressure vessels that we have in, at uh, high, high, composite over, high pressure composite over pressure vessels in our New Jersey facility. So it's literally the only mission I've been involved in from the very start all the way until the very end. So um, quite an exciting mission for us. Okay, so let's go, let's go with uh, chart 13, I think. My communications people sent me, didn't send me, sent me a link to a file. I've been on the road and um, it's 200 megabytes. So I couldn't rearrange it the way I wanted it. So, so I picked out the charts that I wanted to, to um, use. Yeah, let's, let's run this one. This is a test where we burned it for 12 minutes and we're gimbling it the whole time to check out all the lines and everything that they can move around. And so that's what's amazing, right? So it's burning hydrogen and oxygen and you can't even really see the, the plume in, in the light we're in, but you can obviously see it's, it's cold. So 6,000 degrees here. And if you, if you stuck your tongue to that, you wouldn't be able to get it off there. <laughs> and, and uh, what we have is there's this nozzle has a thousand and eighty tubes around it to run liquid hydrogen through it. So liquid hydrogen comes in and pushes up and absorbs all that heat. And then the hydrogen goes into the engine to be burned for exhaust. Okay. Um, 
okay, let's go back to chart two now and show that video for the Artemis mission. Our return to the moon will be different than the last time. We plan to explore more of the lunar surface and the learn space how to system live is now counting down to lift off of Orion on its maiden voyage to the moon. And here we go. Hydrogen burn off igniters initiate. Seven, six, five, four stage engines start. Three, two, one. Boosters in ignition. And lift off of Artemis One. We rise together back to the moon and beyond. We are all part of something incredibly special the first launch of Artemis. human-rated spacecraft not seen since 1972 during the final Apollo missions. Distant retrograde orbit, we're going to be about 38,000 miles away from the lunar surface. We're going beyond anywhere we ever went for Apollo. The Orion spacecraft is barreling its way back home after circumnavigating the moon and beyond in an elliptical distant retrograde orbit. Splashdown. Orion back on Earth. Okay, I think I have one more video, and that would be chart seven. And this is a close-up of the engines igniting for that mission. And there's four engines. You're only seeing two here. The sparks are to burn up any uh, hydrogen that might be down in, in the area on it. And so... The solid rocket boosters, once they ignite, you can't turn them off. So, so what we do is we start the liquid engines first, make sure they're running fine, and then you light the solids, and then it's off to the races. And so for, for the Artemis One mission, the performance, by the way, on all of our, we're not working any anomalies from that mission, which also is unique in my history. Uh, it was a flawless mission. Um, from a propulsion standpoint, and by all accounts, really, from an overall mission standpoint to do that. So that the max distance from the Earth the spacecraft was was 268,563 miles, which broke the Apollo 13 record, and it traveled 1.4 million miles. Uh, it launched on November 16th, splashdown and recovery was December 11th, and it went from 25,000 miles per hour to 20 miles per hour in 20 minutes. Um, oh, and this was uh, our first flight at 109% power level. So, uh, so obviously, these were designed for the space shuttle back in the 70s or 80s. Yeah.
and, and you design an engine to run at 100%, but we have so much experience and we understand the engine operation so much, we realize we have more margin. So we tested the more margin and we ran those engines at 109%. The engine that's on a test stand now, we're testing at 113%, and those engines will run at 111%. So we'll be running those engines at 11% higher power than they were originally designed for just based on experience and knowledge and understanding margins and performance. Okay, so, so the question, I, and I pay attention to this a lot because, um, you know, when I first got, when I first took over at, at Pratt & Whitney Rocketdyne, which was back in the 06, 07 timeframe, I ended up, I ended up at some VIP uh, reception with Chuck Yeager. So I ended up talking to him and, uh, and, uh, the first thing he says to me, I've been in job maybe a month. And he says, why the hell do we want to go back to the moon? And I'm like, I don't know. Jeez. <laughs> well, it's a hard question from Chuck Yeager on my first month, but, 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 um, so NASA's come out with, with, they released the NASA Moon to Mars definition document. And if you want to look it up, it's called ESMD-001. Um, and the, the, what they're saying, the reasons to go, which makes a lot of sense, is the first is science, right? It's our nature to explore and learn. We want to find out about the origins of the solar system, potentially our origins and the universe. And so clearly we want to go for science. The second is inspiration. And I think that's a lot of what AIAA is about, is inspiring the next generation, to get them excited about the business and the exploration. Maybe you don't go into the space business or even aerospace, but you're excited about science, technology, engineering, math, uh, and get people interested in that. That's how I got in it. I was, uh, I was um, a child when they landed on the, on the moon, and I'll never forget this, that at some point they showed a picture of the earth. And then I'm sitting with my, with my family, my dad, and my dad looks at me, hey, they're showing the earth, go outside and wave. <laughs> and, I'm, and, and I'm proud to say I didn't. <laughs> but, but but uh, but uh, I think that was, you know, the, that was the inspiration, though, actually just, you know, witnessing that. And this is a whole new generation, right? There, there are, are a lot of a lot of people coming into the industry that that really eventually won't even experience shuttle. So we had the Apollo era where we went to the moon. We had the shuttle era where we, you know, built International Space Station, learned to live off the planet low Earth orbit, only 200 miles away. Now we're going into the Artemis era, which is a multi-decade era also, which is to go to the moon, but this time to stay there and eventually go on to Mars. And what's so important about that is we learn to live off the planet in Leo, which is about 200 miles above the Earth. Moon's around 250,000 miles away, big difference. And uh, a lot harder to send up emergency supplies or whatever. So trying to learn how to live and, and survive and and um, and um, not have catastrophe, but still only three, you know, two to three days away so that we then eventually and, and the, the plan is ideally to do a 30 day mission to Mars in 2039. But Mars is 140 million miles away. So you go from 200, 200 miles to 250,000 to 140 million and you kind of learn along the way. So that's, that's uh, part of what that's about too. And then the last one is national posture, right? International leadership for peaceful use of space. And, um, 
And if we don't take the lead, somebody else will clearly. And so they've identified four segments that we're going after. Um, human lunar return, which are the initial capability systems and operations, foundational exploration, which is to expand the capabilities and infrastructure, sustained lunar evolution, which is basically living off the earth extended times on the moon and learning how to go to Mars and then humans to Mars. So, uh, and so where are we going to the moon? Apollo went on the equator of the moon, easier to access, um, better sunlight, and uh, NASA's picked the South Pole. What's interesting about the moon, unlike the earth, it's not tilted on its axis. So it rotates, you know, basically in a perpendicular around its axis relative to the sun. So the Southern part of the moon has um, peaks and valleys. On the peak, you can extend vertical solar rays, which they're working on, and have sun 24 hours a day year round. Um, if you go into the valleys, uh, some of those areas have never seen the sun, and that's of interest because in the, in the shaded areas, they believe there's a lot of water there. In ice form, what, what they're not sure of is, you know, is it like chunks of ice or a lot of ice mixed in with all the other lunar regolith? And, and the whole point behind that is if you have ice, then you have water, then you have hydrogen and oxygen. You can make your own oxygen. You can have your own water and you can build your own, you can have your own propellants that you can manufacture on the moon. So that's why the South Pole's of interest versus the equator. Um, so basically, uh, I think I have one more chart, 14. This is actually just pictures, but, so basically the elements you need is, of course, SLS and Orion. You need a, a vehicle that has a translunar injection capability and you need a spacecraft. Uh, you also need a landing system, one that will land on the moon and ideally get you back, which is kind of important. Uh, you need suits, and it turns out that uh, we don't have suits ready yet, and so they got to work on that. Those are kind of important. The other aspect that they have is, is um, this will be part of Gateway, and Gateway is going to be a mini space station around the moon, and it's going to be in something called a near rectilinear halo orbit, which is a very highly elliptical orbit around the moon that requires very low energy to maintain, but it's about a six to seven day orbit. So once you land on the moon, you got to wait six to seven days for it to come back around, to come back and, and go to gateway. And the first two elements are called the power and propulsion element. So that's power. And this is electric propulsion. That's our electric propulsion, 12 kilowatts and um, halo, which is a, a habitation and logistics module. And then they have international cooperation. They'll build out uh, basically a lunar space station that will be gateway or a waypoint to the moon and potentially a waypoint to go from there to Mars um, is an easier way. So gateway is a key element that are, that's being worked on for a launch in 25, probably a launch in 25. And because it's electric propulsion, it'll take it a year to spiral out to the moon and then maintain. And then um, you need rovers, communications, habitats, and for all of that, you need power. So right now we're working with uh, Westinghouse and their other competing companies on a fission surface power system to take 40, uh, to create a 40 kilowatt system on the moon. And then eventually habitats, um, in-situ resource utilization, which is ideally you don't have to take stuff with you. That's why the water is so important. Or you can use the regolith to build your structures on the moon. They're working on additive manufacturing, that sort of thing. And uh, one thing I was just reading about that we don't talk much about, but 
but ultimately some sort of radiation protection too, depending on, on uh, the, cause you're definitely going to be out and exposed. And so um, there's different types of radiation, but got to be protected from that. And so that represents the elements. And then beyond that, Artemis, Artemis two now is going to be, uh, oh, chart 11. I didn't realize I had so many charts marked on here. Here it is. That's the Artemis II crew. So there's Commander Reed Weissman um, right here. And then the pilot is uh, Victor Glover. And then the mission specialist is Christina Koch. And then this, you see his patch is different. He's uh, um, gonna be a Canadian from the Canadian Space Agency, Jeremy Hansom. So they've been named to Artemis II, which is planned to launch in November, 2024. And they're gonna do a 10 day mission out and around the moon. And then the plan is Artemis three um, will be the landing on the moon. So it's gonna be the first woman and first person of color going to the moon. It's scheduled for 2025. Um, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> it's just, that's, I, I will take anybody's bet on that one. <laughs> but uh, we still gotta keep working towards it. But the, I think the 2025 is extremely ambitious. And so one of the things we're talking to NASA about industry's talking to NASA about is if you're not ready for landing, then what should Artemis three be doing? And it, it probably has something that could be related to that gateway um, space station. And then beyond that is uh, Mars. And so uh, that's what's going on. It's a really exciting time. I'm proud to be, have been part of the shuttle era, proud to be part of the Artemis era. And um, I don't know, when I was young, I thought we'd be on Mars by now and living on the moon. So <laughs> still want to see that happen and still want to be a big part of it. So thank you for the, the honor and the award. Truly appreciate it. And I don't know if we have time for any discussion or anything. Omis, go ahead. One, one second, one second, Steve. Yeah, because uh, people folks online, they cannot hear. There's, there's been a lot of uh, talk in the news about the debt, the debt ceiling. <laughs> so um, after Artemis three, do you, do you think there's going to actually be enough funding if they don't raise the debt ceiling? If they do raise the debt ceiling, you're one of the competitors um, has yeah. a firm fixed price contract. Well, we're all moving. We're all moving in that direction. All that way. So, so what's your feeling? Do you think there's going to be enough budget after 20, 2026 to continue the Artemis program? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, the bottom line is, is NASA's, with everything I described, NASA's trying to fit 25 pounds into a five-pound bag, right? So the only way it works is if they get private investment. That's how it closes. So they're relying heavily on private investment and then allowing those companies to kind of own the IP and leverage that into, you know, whatever business they can make out of it. So private investment is key to having all the money they need to uh, execute the business. Um, and then if there's less, if, if they get less funding because of a debt ceiling or something, that just will drag out the schedule is the bottom line. And I think that does put the whole Artemis era potentially at risk, right? And so um, we don't want that to happen because 
I said this to NASA. I mean, if, if we don't keep our eye on the ball and all work together to keep this sold, the way you keep it sold is you execute, um, you make things affordable and advocacy. So, you know, a big part of what we do is we go to the Hill and educate Congress, especially with new congressional members and the staffers about why you go and why it's so important about the literally, um, in California alone, there's 545 companies supporting Artemis. Little companies, we had NASA out here, we went and visited probably 20 or 30 uh, two weeks ago, and they employ 16,000 people here. But it's it's these mom and pop places that are, that are um, part of that to get the interest locally that inspire the STEM and get people excited, and they're high paying jobs that then provide return to the taxpayer. So there's a great multiplier effect of this, but a lot of people don't understand that. So we spend a lot of time educating it, uh, educating. And so we're constantly advocating with NASA, along NASA can't really go advocate for budget. So we know they want more, so we can. <laughs> um, but it's crazy when you think about it because um, what's DOD's budget? I think they're talking about 780 billion in that ballpark, right? NASA's budget is 25 billion. And I think if you ask the average American, how do you think NASA's budget compares to DOD? They'd probably say it's about the same. And so NASA gets a lot of bang for their buck for what I think is a relatively small amount of money. And especially for national posture, what I was going to say, and this is what I told NASA is, is we got to all keep this sold and we got to do the execution, um, affordability and advocacy. If we don't, we're all going to have to learn to read private property keep out in Chinese. And, and, and it really seems to be heading in that direction. So it's a big deal. Jim, that's a great, um, very professional and very illuminating presentation that you have. Um, the component of getting down to the moon is that part of this Artemis rocket that we're looking at? No, no. Okay. That was, um, can't remember what chart it was, but that's the uh, SpaceX Starship is the baseline. So it, it's a very, very complex um, approach to land on the moon. And it's got a tremendous amount of technology development to get there. But NASA has is running a competition for a second provider. They call it sustaining lunar development. And the competitors, as far as I know, were, were two companies, Dynetics, which is now part of Lidos right now, and Blue Origin. And they're both going with a little bit more, I would call traditional type of landers, Blue Origins, Blue Origins hydrogen based, but they'll do kind of more of an Apollo type mission where you have a lander and an ascent vehicle, you go down on the lander, leave it on the moon, and then the ascent vehicle will take you back up to orbit. Dynetics has a concept that's got a little bit more about um, getting out in lunar vicinity and they would have used up their propellant, but they have these modular propellant takes that will be thrown away and have in-orbit propellant tanks that'll mate back up to give them enough fuel to land on the moon and take off on a single stage. So NASA, we're hearing NASA's gonna announce the um, winner of that in the next few weeks. So we're kind of anx anxiously watching that because I think at the end of the day, the Sustainer Lunar Development Team and SpaceX will be in a horse race to get to the lander, but we gotta have a lander to get down and get back. So it's critically important. Thank you. Uh, one last question. Is any is a plan for any of the Artemis 2 crew to be part of the Artemis 3 crew? They haven't named that. Oh. Um, I don't know. They just named these guys about a month ago. 
And we're trying to get them out to our facility at the end of June with any luck, which would be a, just a home run. But the, there's nothing more exciting if you're in human space flight to have your ultimate customer come and visit you. And that that reinforces just how important what we do, because we constantly reinforce, you know, how much safety is involved and in, in how critical it is and how important what we work on is. And we do have we do have employees now who haven't you know, met any astronauts or, or really worked in earnest on human space flight. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a different game, especially if you're going to the moon. Any more question? Oh, Gary, one second. Online people cannot hear you. Sure. Uh, actually, I worked a, an extendable nozzle exocone problem for a time. And, uh, I was wondering, was that on the first stage or is that on only on the second stage? Uh, only on the second stage. Um, it's, it's intended to be a high expansion ratio nozzle that, right. that only works in a vacuum. I don't think it wouldn't be structurally sound enough um, in, in a boost phase environment. But certainly not at sea level, but uh, once you get beyond the 100,000 feet or more. Yeah, the second, the- Since it goes all the way to orbit. Yeah, you, yeah. There's a um, yeah. Well, we we get high. We typically I did a lot of different rockets, but you you typically design the first stage to take you to uh, an altitude where the where the the pressure is below a certain pounds per square inch, and that's when you know by the time you separate the fairing, typically, which is protecting the spacecraft, you have very low pressure and molecules. And then depending how you've designed the split between your first and second stage, you're safe to, to separate. Um, but the extendable exit cone um, is, a, is a challenge because in most rocket designs, it takes time to extend it. Mm -hmm. And, and you're, still, you're on a parabolic trajectory. It's not like SLS flies. So, so you're kind of going like this and you're losing altitude while you're extending it. So you want, you want to separate and start your engine and, and be running usually as fast as possible yeah that was the problem i worked on that uh, the sudden uh ex extension of the uh, nozzle uh created stability problems with part of the part of the system and was uh, that on a solid a solid upper yes, stage it was. yeah i know what you're talking about okay uh, but anyway uh, uh that was that was extended very rapidly yeah. because of the fact it was a solid. Right. And so I don't know if your extension is comparably fast or. No, it takes, you know, I can't remember how long. And, and we're getting away from the extendable exit cone after, after the fourth mission. The, the engines we're developing for NASA, it'll be four engines. We're going to have a fixed exit cone, but it's going to be pretty long because we have this. Luckily, you have the rocket height and space right. to put it in there. Typically, you're trying to save space on rocket height. Because yes. the shorter the rocket, the easier it is control and the lower the loads. Mm -hmm. But SLS is is already kind of pre-sized for that. So uh, this cone, this is, I mean, this, mm -hmm. the, the exit cone, when it's stowed, is about this high and extended, it's about eight feet high. And so mm -hmm. it goes from about this big around to almost four feet at the other end and, and so so it's it's tucked in half up and then there's like a, a three systems with screws that push it down as fast as it can and kind of lock it in lock it into place 
Yeah, we'll be happy to get away from it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, it's a, the extendable part is um, carbon carbon, 3D carbon carbon. So it's very high temperature carbon carbon, no cooling at all. It gets red hot when it's burning. There wasn't a lot of discussion about return to launch site or uh, recovery of the first stage. Uh, people that didn't understand the fact that it went, that, that that first stage goes to orbit. Right. And the other thing is, is, is um, you need all the performance you can get. So you got to burn all your propellants. I mean, the um, Falcon nine, I, I was president chief operating officer. I was the first president chief operating officer of uh, SpaceX and Falcon nine was really designed to go to GTO. And then as, as it evolved, and we were always, Elon and I always, always wanted to do reusability. And we always said we wanted to do first stage reusability. Um, and then ultimately someday second stage. And we were kind of working out reusability. And what happened is the market, especially with Starlink and everything, the market evolved to low earth orbit. So you had a vehicle designed for GTO with a market that was low earth orbit which meant you didn't need all the performance in the rocket, which meant you have lots of propellant left over. So that led to a concept where you could do a propulsive, propulsive recovery of the booster. When they go to, when they do like they just did their Delta Heavy or when they do other missions that are demand more performance, they typically, they fly that expendable because they have to use all the propellant. To go to the moon the, with this construct, um, you have to use all your propellant. But we did a study, and I just kind of briefed NASA on it at a high level. We did a study of separating, even though you're that high, separating the engine section, and then have the engine section get um, there's there's a inflatable hypersonic it's hypersonic inflatable decelerator. I can't remember the acronym. It's like HIAT or something that was demonstrated on a Centaur stage. And this one would have to be about three or four times as big as the one that was demonstrated. But you could have this inflatable hypersonic. Uh, decelerator and could come in and uh, could potentially recover the engine section because then it could actually be set up to land with parachutes. So it's actually floating on top of that decelerator. And then you just go pick it up. The challenge, the challenge is we did a, we did a ballistic reentry and the challenge is, is it's about halfway between the East coast of the United States and Africa. So, so, but there would be other, we, we were thinking of other ways to work it. So we're looking at reusable concepts because because uh, the engine section with four engines is what really where a lot of the value is. Yeah, you say that we're you're going towards 113 percent on test and 111 percent in performance. Uh, in the uh, I worked the Apollo program also, but not in the fracture mechanics. But um, later on, I I learned that the propellant tanks, some of the propellant tanks in in that Apollo used as low of a factor of safety as 1.33 ultimate. And uh, I'm wondering, have you used similar kinds of strategy for uh, going to the higher percentage? Uh, did you start out with a 1.5 or higher or did we just get lucky and, and have some reserves in there? Well, it was, it was designed for full reusability. So it was, it was designed for, um, more high high cycle life and so that gives you more more margin for a single flight so i'd characterize it so the inherent design 
was robust enough that over time, shuttle, ultimately, the last shuttle flew at 104.5%. And so the Artemis flew at 109, and we're going to 111. We're not really changing the design that much at all. We're just validating and test that there's no, our analysis tells us it's good, but we're running it at that level, and we're not seeing any issues, any issues at all. And of course, something that that I've only recently come to understand is that uh, uh, locks and LH2, uh, when you pressurize them, you're pressurizing liquid, which is a lot less energy than trying to compress gas. Right. So. Yeah. So it's it's basically incompressible. So right. so <laughs> so yeah. But you can't you can't get. That's what the reason the turbo machinery is for, because you can't get nearly the pressure you need out of the out of the the tank even if it was much smaller pressure pressure fed systems generally tend to be relatively small because you, even then you only run them at 3 or 3 or 500 psi and these engines run around i can't remember 8 8 or 10,000 psi so you need is, turbo machinery to do that which is one heck of an expansion ratio to get it down to near near vacuum yep yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I just had a question. What is the goal production rate for the main engines? Um, right now, uh, we're, we're matching the launch rate, which the goal is one per year. But, but we're working. There's a concept with the industry is right now NASA owns and operates the launch vehicle. And there's a concept where um, industry would take it over and sell it as a service. And industry if industry did that, could also sell it to other customers for unique scientific and potentially DOD payloads. And so the goal really is towards the end of the decade to do three launches every two years. So right now our production rate is four per year, but even at the current launch rate, I wanna get the unit cost down as much as possible. So once we get to four per year, we're gonna to go to five and potentially six, I think is the target I have for the, by the end of the decade for the team. Okay, thank you. By the is that is that pace set by the uh, the uh, oh by the <laughs> by the manufacturing process with the uh, well I mean we have we would you know we just expanded our facility so I think our facility could handle six per year I mean it's just a matter of of space and more tooling and machines and making sure the supply chain is capable of more rate. But right now there's not, not a huge demand for any more rate right now, but we're positioning ourselves for that. Very good, any, any more question? No? Actually, um, this is great opportunity. Actually, earlier I have a conversation with one of our winning students, Anish, because initially he was all, because he's going to Texas for the drone, uh, um, contest uh, tomorrow, right? Uh, he's actually um, packing already. Um, but I told him the Artemis is the future. I mean, uh, you, although drawings look very exciting now, but you see Artemis one, two, three, and are doing exciting project. Uh, could you give some uh, advice to the young generation in you know, how they <laughs> should prepare themselves ready? <laughs> my advice is follow your passion and have fun. That's That, that would be my advice. Um, don't work for a bad boss. 
<laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> and don't follow money. I mean, ultimately, you got to follow your passion. And and then you got to decide uh, for yourself what's your what's your what's your personal risk tolerance. And um, if you have a high tolerance for risk, you you your passion may take you into um, more what other people might consider to be more stressful jobs, but not, might might not be for you. But if if you um, tend to be stressed, you know, uh, uh, a high risk job might not be for you. I mean, when when I was when I went to SpaceX, I had six-year-old twins and I had 20 years with Boeing and Sea Launch and I quit and went to a startup with somebody nobody had heard of back in the day with 300 people. And uh, the other thing is, is make sure you have family support. My wife's like, go ahead and go. What do you got to lose? And, and I was like, well, everything. But, 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 but you know, she and I had a high tolerance for risk and figured, you know, that sounded like a lot of fun. So I, so I, I went and did it. So, yeah. So the student, I mean, this is a really uh, a real leader in the industry. So I need to listen to uh, his advice and uh, Jim, get lots of advice from lots of people and decide what you like. <laughs> exactly. And Jim, actually, uh, all you mentioned earlier about this uh, uh, community awareness, supporting actually uh, our section, following the great tradition uh, from uh, Jim and Jeff, uh, is that we are doing a lot of outreach to school. For example, next week, we are going to Hearts of High School. Uh, we have been going to different schools. So if anything, we can support you or uh, work with you and uh, uh, your company and uh, get more uh, society to support you uh, beyond Artemis, uh, please let me know. We are more than happy to work on it. Okay, great. Really appreciate yeah, it. We will try to uh, emphasize on that part. It is very important. Yeah, absolutely. That's what AIAA is all about. I mean, that's, that's a right. key part. Exactly. Absolutely. And actually, uh, not only from the uh, Daniel will pick up the public policy. Uh, actually, we've been reaching to the former uh, mayor of Hawthorne. He's actually running for um, Sacramento, I mean, the state senator. So his ultra interest is aerospace. So we are also trying to uh, make sure the local leaders are aware of your effort and uh, Artemis. And uh, so they, when they go to the uh, state capital, you know, they can uh, uh, express the views, you know, to support for the industry. Yeah. And reach out to me because we have lots of materials yes. for the school kids. So love send me a note and we can send you a box full of materials. Yeah. To... Previously, we actually got some uh, flyer from uh, Bill Kelly. Uh, when he retired, he brought uh, something and uh, they would run out quickly. People love engines. You know, when we went to the, <laughs> look at engine, they just took away, you know, the picture. Yeah. Really like it. Really, thank you so much. And it's great, really great, our uh, great honor today to have uh, uh, Jim, Mr. Jim Mesa here with us. So let's uh, give him the round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so the next session, you know, you, you will gradually see what the other way. Goodbye, Admir. Thank you for coming. Uh, so you gradually, the next part is going to be, uh, you know, like events and still you, you graduate is an integrated part uh, of the double function. So um, I'm showing here, well, this is the old chart for the, uh, let me put it right here. Okay, so take a look. So we actually have uh, the bio for Dr. Dan Raymer and the Professor Grantman and uh, uh, the Buzz, uh, uh, Mr. Buzz Cohen. Co I'm sorry. Uh, so you can see the program here. Here I'm going to go to the um, 
best event because actually we realized according to the previous years, you know, we have been, actually I was chatting with Jim, uh, Dr. Wurz, actually I was learning, you know, even though we didn't overlap, but actually I was learning from the section archive picture. I actually found out in our storage room, there's an old Canon camera and inside a lot of archive picture of a section event, they back to um, uh, like Susan from Western Regional Office, and uh, I saw your picture and uh, doing uh, like a YP thing uh, demo for the uh, Rocky. So events is really uh, the best way to engage with the uh, members. Of course, membership like Sherry has been supporting us, public policy. So this year um, we have a great event and thanks a lot of support to Madhu, but you will gradually get to that. So we pick up three events. It's very difficult to pick up just one, but because Louise actually won the best award last year. Uh, he led the uh, mini conference last year, but this year it was great again. And so uh, we just put it out uh, that you see what we are trying to do and we'd love to work with you uh, if you can uh, join, uh, support us. So you can see uh, he actually already got awarded and we have a uh, student branch from UCLA, Cal State Long Beach, uh, CSULB and uh, UNLV join us. Then we have a tour, uh, SpaceX, and uh, uh, people are very excited. And we have a YP session, actually, uh, student session inside SpaceX. Uh, then we have you know, uh, each of the uh, team uh, presenting DBF and rocket launch. And the Dr. Belalacqua uh, is our uh, distinguished speaker and give talk about this uh, uh, joint strike fighter. fighter. So it, it overall, is a student very happy to get together. Uh, very important. And then the second one, I have to tell you that um, Thanks to Jeff's support, we have been posting uh, video recording on YouTube. We have a channel. So I, I've been chatting with uh, Madhu about, uh, because Madhu very, he, he also told me a lot of ex, uh, experience about the YouTube you know, posting. Uh, so just to let you know, right now we post, uh, uh, we have like a ranking from the highest view to lowest view. Uh, the number one highest view is actually this DCX event last December. Uh, led by um, our executive director, Dan Dunbacher, and a couple, well, I mean, uh, Jim, uh, uh, Hakeem, he said he will be online, but he could not make it. He wanted to fly here. He wanted to say hello to you. Remember the old, old day Florida. That's right, Florida. You want me to remind you the uh, Florida, you know, you, you, the old history there. And then we, that's right. I see this RL10. Oh, didn't realize. And this is very popular. You have Jim French, as you know. Actually, I learned that Jim French actually was our chapter chair in the 80s. Yeah. He actually approached me when we went to the space conference a few years ago. Then we have Jeff Lau from Aerospace Corporation, uh, just uh, Mr. Spongebo. They are going to have a reunion uh, this, this summer for the DCX10. So this rank number one in our section's uh, YouTube channel the highest view over 1,100 views. Uh, so this is an interesting event and uh, it's a reusable rocket, uh, as you can see. And uh, well, that, that, yeah. That reusable rocket project is 1995. Yes, it was, it was like uh, uh, in the middle 90s. And uh, uh, actually, I'm I've been trying to work with uh, an article and event two or three years ago. Uh, but when Dan Dunbar came here, he was talking about uh, a funny story that his, how his son responded to other people 
praising Elon Musk, you know, SpaceX, inventing this reusable rocket. And his son was defending his father, saying, no, my dad, you know, they did it in NASA. So it's kind of, oh, then I realized we actually have a group of LWA member um, that actually can support uh, this event. So this is one. And uh, the second, second um, largest view, rank number two, is space architecture event. Uh, so Jeff and I, we have been trying to explore the possibility because Dr. Jim Woods have been doing this great reinventing space uh, conference in the section. We have been trying to explore the topic and uh, uh, the mode operation venue and how do we work out a good conference. Uh, so again, this space architecture, we have 260 people registered and 175 people attend, attended, led by none other than Professor Madhu Sankabeno. Of course, we have uh, Sandra, is currently AIWA Space Architecture Technical Committee, and we have a student uh, from Croatia, Alma. Uh, so I it was. Not do much the other two <laughs> so um, because of this, um, but I can tell you before that number three you can guess is space starship because during pandemic we have a talk by a Caltech PhD talking about SpaceX. That's number rank number three. So uh, we are doing our best to. Uh, promote the industry and uh, help AIWA to advance the uh, membership and technology. So here it is. Uh, so Jeff, do you want to give a word to uh, Professor Mardu Sankavanu? Thank for his help. Of course, because Sandra is, is in Europe, he's in uh, Wien, right. she cannot be here. So, so Mardu will represent. You. You're welcome. You know, um, it's wonderful to read the history, study the history. But a lot of people want to know what's in our future. And uh, this is the reason I teach in the class. And it also reflects on um, what people want to mm -hmm. uh, come to. And, uh, you know, creativity is important. Papa is going to take one too. Okay. Oh, you did? Oh, well, just one more. One more. You know, just a few days ago, we were discussing uh, creativity, and uh, it's clear uh, creativity is not the domain of any particular discipline. But uh, in our case, uh, the aerospace community is very young compared to the architecture community, the medical profession, or the law. And so we tend to be more daring and more creative in the things we do. You all saw what happened to the Starship prototype. And there is a rule that was taught to me by my professor. And he said that, what's the problem? My, oh, and he said that uh, 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 there is a heuristic uh, in particularly in the astronautical engineering profession. And that is before the flight, it is opinion. After the flight, it's obvious. And I think it's a very important thing that we learn, particularly uh, in the edge of technologies. Thank you. Thank you for this. Very Thank you, Madhu. Thank you for your support. And we actually have been doing this at, uh, once or twice at least per year. And last, last year, uh, Madhu actually hooked up to the downtown uh, engineering company. Uh, and we actually have a downtown spike. Oh, yeah. 
What's more, and the other thing for space architecture was uh, because uh, Jeff has a wonderful art event in a few years ago in downtown LA, art district, and uh, we are trying to explore uh, the art side, uh, the, the side of art, you know, aerospace. But you know, uh, it's a different community. How to combine them together? We actually learned that actually space architecture is is kind of in the middle. Is a good for art people and also good for engineering people. Is a great for that was a wonderful event actually. Yes. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> and Jeff, Jeff Washi was the leader for the art event a few years ago in downtown LA. So Jeff also very interested in promoting aerospace Well, I think that's art. where the nexus of everything is. Yes, yeah. Yeah, we can work together. Yeah, okay. Um, so let me, so that's the uh, next part is, you know, education of course is very important. We definitely want to inspire like Artemis and space architecture. Uh, DCX or Starship to inspire the next generation. And uh, uh, our session has been blessed and uh, with every year we have a fantastic student. And I can tell you previous, our award student go to MIT, you know, uh, you know UC Berkeley doing very, of course, we also trying to help the uh, disadvantaged uh, student, you know, uh, all kind of uh, situation. So this year, because the uh, Paris Verdes High School and some school has a different um, arrangement for category. So we decided, uh, we discussed with Jeff, so we decided to separate into different category. One is general STEM. Uh, then we have uh, astronautics project and aeronautics project because they no longer have a uh, similar space uh, science uh, category. So it kind of scatter. And uh, we also try to add a, a, a little bit of recognition because there's some students doing great jobs, but unfortunately, um, you know, uh, you know, some student was really outstanding. Uh, so this year we have three uh, project and uh, four students, uh, they got uh, selected uh, for the student STEAM award. Uh, so um, so uh, let's, let's first start with uh, um, uh, Justin. Uh, Justin was doing this project, although it's not really aerospace, but you know, these days things are really connected. Uh, so uh, Justin is from um, Palos Verdes High School. So Justin, do you want to uh, come out and say a few words about your project? Actually, by the way, all the student project uh, poster you can see from, from back there. Thank you everyone. Um, I'm really honored to be receiving this, this recognition and this award. Um, throughout high school, I've been really interested in computer science research, mainly in artificial intelligence. That's what I plan on continuing studying in college as well. But um, yeah, this project was on using AI and computer science to detect um, abnormalities in retinal images using image recognition. Um, and I'm really excited to continue this research at the college level. And thank you so much. Well, congratulations. Yes. And you know, I, I wanted to mention about the Polarities program. Every year they have a uh, uh, they have a uh, um, science fair, and uh, uh, you know many of you uh, should go because they're always asking for judges, and uh, I do when I can, and uh, I, I remember 
the first time I went there was when uh, uh, Professor Brodsky, uh, he invited us to go. And uh, as you know, he was a big uh, AIAA fan. I don't know how many of you know Bob, but uh, we miss him. And uh, we would go and uh, judge these uh, wonderful student projects. It's a pleasure. Uh, so I would encourage uh, all of you to be judges, and Jim would be a perfect judge. <laughs> no, he lives close by. That's also important. Well, they've had an outstanding program for decades. I mean, I, that's, yeah, it's, it's remarkable. Yeah, Justin was highly recommended. We'll, we'll see him uh, shortly uh, uh, again. Uh, but indeed, I, I was the judge, uh, judge this year and uh, the past three or four years, several years. Yeah, I've been there almost every year in the past few years. So I love to meet the student. By the way, did you, I think you joined the high school membership, right? I think yeah, you signed up. Exactly. Sherry, this is uh, our student. You see, <laughs> I got you new members. Yeah, she's our membership. She worked in JPL, we can talk to her, you know. Yeah, thank you, thank you. We, we want to recruit mem members. And actually, then Dr. Raymond was talking about getting the high school uh, branch. Remember, you were talking about the high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, good idea. So, okay. Uh, uh, thanks, uh, Justin. So, uh, we'll see him again shortly. Okay, so the next... Um, uh, actually, it's a very interesting project. Actually, this year, Power Spurtis has several projects close to you know, space, you know, related. And uh, after discussing with the teachers uh, in Power Spurtis High School, uh, Peninsula High School, and uh, we got a recommendation of Jehun Kim, uh, Jehun Kim and Austin Paul. Uh, they have a model-based solar tracking system. And it's very outstanding. So Austin, Jehun, could you come forward? Would you like first uh, say a few words about your project? So uh, originally, I, I actually didn't know the advisor for the science research. I, it was actually a mistake that I was put in the elective course. But I, in the end, I'm really glad that we did it because I got to learn all about solar panels and about the importance of protecting the environment and things like that. So our project was we used um, uh, a model-based solar tracking system. And what that is, is we put motors to rotate solar panels based on the sun's position. Um, and what we found was that when you rotated a solar panel with multiple axes, that it became more efficient, I guess. So um, our results were kind of like a base to see uh, what other projects we can do in the future. So hopefully, I guess the vision was maybe one day we could have rotating solar panels on actual residential houses, things like that. Um, yeah, so this was our first year doing research and we did surprisingly well at the science fair. So that was pretty exciting. Jaehoon doesn't have much to say, so. Did you all go to the district? Uh, yeah. Congratulations. Wax as well. Good job. Oh, sure. Oh, I got, I got one. Okay. 
Yeah, actually, many of those students went to uh, a division and uh, ISAP, and actually, uh, we are actually actually reaching out to um, because these days, you know, the AI robot drones, uh, buzzwords, students are all doing that. So we also even outreach to uh, like a robotic contest, and uh, some of our schools are doing very good. Uh, actually, won the division championship. We'll continue to do that. So, um, but again, you know, uh, we are. Aerospace organizations, so aeronautics and astronautics are very important uh, for us as well. So we have a student, Anish uh, Anand, he's uh, doing wonderful jobs. It, it's a quadcopter project. He's all crazy about it. As I mentioned, he's going to fly to Texas for the division uh, contest. So Anish, could you come forward and say a few words about you and the, your project? Uh, hi, I'm Anish, and uh, this is my first year doing research for Peninsula High in high school. And I think my brother, my research has been in my family for like my past two brothers have done research basically all four years in high school. They're both now in college, but uh, my middle brother, the one right before me, Akash, he also was nominated for this prestigious honor. And he came here, I think about four years ago if any of you remember <laughs> but so my project was a development of a novel control system for autonomous quadcopter navigation so i wrote original matlab programs and i optimized the control algorithms with the programs that i wrote and also from prototypes that i built from scratch so based off my results i found that my dual loop control system, which is the one that I developed, is twice as fast and more importantly, two to three times more stable than current single loop control systems. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, oh. uh, if anybody wants to give some suggestion to Anish about the uh, uh, navigation uh, for the drones, and uh, he's uh, very uh, passionate about it. He wants to learn more from the expert, from you. Okay, so uh, then you can see a list of recognition. I can tell you uh, almost uh, a lot of people, as I said, you know, AI, uh, you know, machine learning, these are the buzzwords. So almost every single student, they're also working on some kind of project for astroplanet or uh, astro astronomy. Uh, they're doing a good job, but the outstanding, the four students you just met are doing uh, the outstanding uh, project. So next is our annual James, Dr. James Ward Scholarship. And as you see here, our Dr. James Ward here has great contribution uh, impact to the industry and also uh, the section AIAA is highly uh, regarded and we continue to have this scholarship uh, after his name. And uh, he has been uh, wonderful. And uh, Anish just mentioned his middle brother, 
uh, Akash Anand actually several years ago received this scholarship from Dr. James Wurst, and he's now in MIT. You know, I just want to mention, you know, your uh, awards really inspire uh, students, uh, great performance for their career. So this year, after a serious discussion with our STEM chair and uh, the school leader, and uh, finally we got uh, outstanding student you just met, Justin Liu, uh, he actually advanced to the regional uh, and got very good uh, uh, result and uh, also won awards as well. And uh, so, um, uh, so this uh, this year we we decided to give this James Ward scholarship to uh, Justin. Uh, so Justin, would you like to come out again? Congratulations. Thank you. 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 Thank on space engineering. Uh, Mike Gruntman tells me every time we meet, they count on Jim's book. And uh, <laughs> he says, you know, we all write books at some point in time. And so he looks at me and says, when is your book get nowhere close? You know, Jim sent a lot of books too, and that's special. And the most recent one was with Jeff as well. Oh, great. That's right. And so that's right. Yeah, excellent. A wonderful book. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, Justin, this is really great. But uh, he's a, a true leader uh, in the industry. Of course, uh, Jim, Jeff, you know, all, all people you hear, Dr. Dan Raymer, you know, this is a true leader uh, in the industry and many, many people. So uh, we are so happy you are here with us and uh, uh, continue to stay with us, you know, because we actually have been in touch with some of your predecessors who are winning this award and they went to UC Berkeley, MIT or other places. We keep them uh, engaged with AIAA. Uh, and, uh, so keep staying in touch with us. It's good for your career. And uh, you join, I think, Jaehun, I think uh, Austin, you also joined the high school membership, right? I saw you signed up. Very good. Sherry, you got uh, three more members. Anish, we're waiting for you. <laughs> I sent you the link, you know, it's free, free. Take a look. <laughs> we're trying to get uh, more members for Sherry. Yeah. I'm actually really excited about the field of aerospace as well. Um, in high school, I applied AI mostly to bi biomedical applications, but I did um, work at Boeing the last summer, and I did also incorporate my interest in AI there on some rocket propulsion analysis. Um, and so that was a really cool experience, and I hope to continue um, working um, in the field of aerospace in the future as well. So thank you. Yep. Bravo, Justin. Uh, congratulations. Um, but uh, is uh, Lisa here, Dr. Kearney? No, uh, she, she worked next door maybe. 
uh, Raytheon would not let her come He's working out. too hard. Working tonight. too hard, working too hard. That's right. Um, so the next will be our National uh, Space System Technical Committee National Middle School Essay Contest. Actually, Jeff was the leader and uh, initiator, uh, the founder of this uh, uh technical committee and as well as this essay contest. This year, we actually have two very uh, 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 good uh, uh, outstanding entry. Again, this is a national award. So we are actually not giving the award on, on behalf of the national, but we always recognize the local entries. And uh, this year is a great project. And I can see this because last year, uh, Jeff, we gave the award to Northrop Grumman from James Webb Telescope. And the student get very uh, exciting uh, article, um, you know, uh, essay for submission and that we have submitted to the nation. Unfortunately, they cannot be here, uh, just a pity, but there's most on the scientific instruments for imaging and the aperture. Um, so Audrey and the Rachel, uh, they are the uh, local entry. And uh, if they win uh, the national award, we'll have a uh, uh, award lunch or, you know, recognize again. So Jeff, do you want to explain a little bit about this uh, topic and uh, why you come up with this and what do you expect from the student to learn from this? Well, the yeah, the topic was was uh, very general. It was essentially choose any one uh, aspect of the James Webb Space Telescope uh, and explain its significance and uh, uh, how you would use it in future endeavors. So it's a nationwide essay contest. Uh, as Ken mentioned, when I chaired the uh, Space Systems Technical Committee uh, quite some time ago, uh, we actually initiated this this contest. Uh, I remain involved actually is the at-large category. Yeah, chair. I noticed that. And so I think we had more entries in the at-large category than everybody else. Uh, <laughs> okay. So I, so I was really happy about that. We got some very good essays. So, and I read your, the the LA uh, Las Vegas section essays as well. I thought they were quite good, and I think they'll be okay. very competitive at the national level. So, yeah, 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 very, very impressive. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, LA is really because you know uh, you you and the team you know have been doing this great jobs, and I think they're still really excited about James World Scholarship and the, the uh, SSTC essay contest. We are trying to uh, spread the words, and actually this year we actually got more high school uh, asking about uh, Dr. James World Scholarship, and, and this year and uh, and every time we outreach to school, we tell the student about the what uh, how our professionals have been doing. Uh, so this echo what Jim has been saying, you know, for the community support, they tell their parents, their representative. And uh, so we also keep asking people to join the essay contest. Uh, I personally talked to several seventh, seventh graders, but unfortunately they didn't submit eventually, uh, but we'll keep working on that. Mm -hmm. This is a great idea and uh, it didn't really cost much, you know, simple essay contest. Ideally, we can do something like this for some other things, you know, but, but one thing very important is we need to spread the words, you know, that people know what ALW actually has been trying to do. And uh, this is something I realized ALW has been doing a lot of things, I mean, especially our chapter, but not that many people really um, uh, are aware of it. So we are trying to set up the effort. Uh, so we were able to reach out to more schools uh, and the communities, uh, that's very good. Uh, so this is the SS, unfortunately they cannot be here. So let's see. So Ken, before we adjourn, I, I, I have to recognize you for <laughs> putting this whole thing together, single-handedly practically, your boundless energy and, <laughs> and uh, commitment to the Institute is thank appreciated you, thank you. to say the least. Thank you. Thank you. 
really appreciate. It. I mean, uh, the the way you can you know with with uh, you, you people and the professionals and students and they really inspire me. And I want to tell you a story. I, I'm not speaking. I learned a lot also from Jeff because a few years ago I mentioned with a downtown event for the aerospace R. I saw Jeff was carrying the banners on his shoulders and he's carrying the section and the way on his shoulders and it really uh, make me feel very inspired <laughs> and uh, try to learn. <laughs> Jeff is great, I, I, great guy. Well, you've learned and you've surpassed every chair that uh, we've had in, in quite a while. So I, I kind of learn, try to learn from you and Jim a lot. Okay. I, I, will, I will second this wholeheartedly. And I will also mention uh, uh, one of the heuristics that we learned uh, is that noisy wheel gets the green. And here's an example of a person who says he's standing there today. I could tend from him in an hour sometimes, <laughs> actually. <laughs> yeah, relentless. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I'm not speaking. I, I think I feel there's some kind of connection because at, at the turn of the millennium, especially after se September 11, I was in Pittsburgh, and uh, that's the time I was doing a project, you know, on the uh, space policy. And uh, my part was like uh, analyzing, you know, human going to Mars. And I got a lot of book from Michael Cousin, and I started to learn uh, uh, your name, Jim, and uh, start to pick up ARWA. I joined ARWA member at that time. Right uh, around the time of September, and I actually I told uh, Professor Sankabin. I actually I think what I want to say is that this is a great time, as Jim just pointed out. Uh, things you know you are supposed to be on Mars or on the Moon, but you know we are delayed. And uh, I, I actually several our members were talking about the the same thing, and uh, uh, it's kind of I think there is a general calling or kind of sense by many different people, like Jim has been pushing, and then you know you even have not only the advanced top secret aircraft, you also have the Mars airplane. And, and I, I know Jim has a great project, including the 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 the, uh, the personalized, you know, vehicle to, to space exploration. I saw read a little bit of paper. What I want to say is, is the overall consensus, a lot of people sense it. Uh, why I say so, because when I was trying to look into the membership to invite people anniversary, I just learned it's a very, um, this is not something, this is more membership type of thing, but I realize actually things are moving into certain direction. I think many people start to get aware of it. Uh, what I wanted to say, I joined AWM membership in uh, somehow middle of 2001. And I just learned that Elon Musk joined in the same year around that time. And just a couple of months before me, of course it's huge difference, but what I want to say, <laughs> but what I want to say is, Customer is significant, but but I think a lot of people gradually realize this is the right time, you know. So it it just happened that we also feel that I also feel he feel that everybody feel that it seems to be something interesting coming up and human beings are going back to space. Uh, so I think it's the right moment we need to catch. So that's part of the reason uh, when I step in uh, doing, doing this, I was very I was already inspired by James Michael Cousin in early two thousand. Um, but you know when I, uh, when Jeff you know we would start I just feel this is AWA this is a great opportunity and channel uh, to let the community and the young generation as you to bring together and to uh, really help the uh, aerospace art and uh, uh, education thing and help people you know uh, look into the future of, of mankind uh, in in space uh, so I sense that so I, I feel this uh, excitement I, I try to carry this and uh, try to um, share with everybody. 
and the field and together we can move forward and we can go back to the moon and Mars as soon as the gym can happily dancing, you know, <laughs> or working over there, then we can fly, then dance uh, Mars aircraft and the gym spacecraft over there. So uh, I wish that they have happened uh, happen as soon as possible for humanity. Uh, cause so I, um, I, I, September 11 really kind of made me feel a lot. And I went through a lot of things and I realized space is the future. Uh, aerospace is the, really the, the, the technology that mankind really need to focus on. So I've been doing the best to help everybody and to bring up the next generation. So what Madhu said was correct. I, I sense it. I feel that I really want to help. You know, that, that's, and I think AWA is especially our uh, long history of the, our chapter uh, really um, made me really amazed, you know, from you know, um, uh, uh, Mr. French and uh, to Jim and Jeff, Dan, you know, Jim, Gary, Madhu, you know, everybody, you know, this kind of torch you kind of passing on and uh, uh, it's the excitement. I, I always want to say it's exci excitement. I want people to know, um, to, to be aware that what uh, the other way can provide. Yeah, thank you, appreciate it. So, yeah, sorry I talked a little bit too long. So, but anyway, uh, really appreciate and uh, it's our great pleasure and honor to have you all here. So here we uh, uh, the, conclude our program tonight and uh, see you next year. Uh, You're welcome to hang around to chat with students and uh, the expert. And, uh, uh, but anyway, have a great night and uh, so happy to have you with us as a, um, uh, a day, uh, evening, a uh, great memory. Thank you so much. Thank you. Can we like a group picture? Oh yes. Would like to stay on with the with the AIAA Los Angeles section banner. Okay. Yeah. If you join us, and have a group picture. Welcome. Come forward. I think I think we should put the banner elsewhere so that it can be counted. Get a better picture. Move to the computer. Yeah, no, no, no. You have it on the computer. You have it on the computer. Oh, you mean add it on? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Don't worry about the banner. We can do the post uh, imaging processing. Yeah, I understand what you mean. Uh, you know, Photoshop. Photoshop. No, no, I'm not talking about Photoshop. The video? Oh, I took a couple of images of that. Oh, okay. Let's do this. So, uh, folks, uh, please uh, just gather around this table facing the front. You sit, you sit here. Uh, folks, you just stand there behind the uh, folks around this table. So, we take a poll picture this way. That's much easier. No, it's, uh, it's okay. If you put this poster behind them, they will get a nice one. Oh, Doggy, do you think it's a good idea? I think, no, don't worry about it. No, but we can, we can add it on. We can, we can add it. Flash, turn on. I don't know where you turn on your flash. I think that's flash. Okay. Uh, folks, I think, uh,
I want to I want to be in the studio. Well, I want to be in the studio. I'll take it for you. Randy, Okay, this great group of people. Yeah, Randy, Yeah, it's going to interaction with the 